0: or find them online at explorehsv.com. they are remax of hot springs village at 1-800-364-9007 or online at explorehsv.com.
1: dear listeners and watchers you have no idea what has gone on behind the scenes before we got <laughs> mr jerry sally with us today jerry great to have you today how are you doing buddy i'm doing good dennis how are you doing brother i'm doing better i'm doing better uh between uh, medical issues and and scheduling and, and uh, technical malfunctions. We had a fantastic interview we did, and it just never made it in the can, Jerry. So let's try this again. <laughs> Sounds
2: good. It's always good to visit with you. So I'm good, glad we're good
1: to to, We're becoming buddies. Never met yeah, you. Still, <laughs> still becoming buds. <laughs> so right. this coming Thursday night. Uh, no. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because it's going to come out Tuesday. This coming Thursday night on the 30th you and the trio are going to be with us. And you want to tell us who the trio is here in just a minute, but you and the trio are going to be with us at the woodlands for the lifelong learning Institute. And we're eager to do that. But before I forgot, I forgot funniest thing that ever happened to you or happened on the road that somebody said to you, just a, a quick, great, funny story. And I know I, I'm stalling because I'm giving you a few seconds.
2: Oh, geez. There's so many things that have happened. I've been traveling with these guys for over 30 years. We've been doing this. Wow. And, uh, Oh, shoot. I'm trying to think. Um, one, one, well, one of the most embarrassing things was the time that we actually stayed at some folks' home. Uh, they were hosting us, uh, at a venue there in the uh, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, mm-hmm. but they had a, they were the, the folks that were doing it were construction. They owned a construction company, had a huge home. They had like seven kids. I'm not exaggerating. So we had, they had a nice big place to put us up. And I, uh, I promptly stopped up one of their commodes. <laughs> so <laughs> i don't know I'll
1: not that funny but uh but carl larry thought it was pretty hilarious <laughs> hey listen it's really been great having you guys don't worry to come, if you come back <clears throat> there's a hotel down the end of the street if you want to come back right, okay. right jerry? <laughs> <That's good. laughs> well the, these uh, kind of stories and more and jerry we we've had a with the lifelong learning Institute which Larry Wilson is helping us sponsor a great guy. And we, we really excited to work with him. Uh, I just got through, we, we just got through having, uh, Bill Wythe and Brent Barnes, uh, great guys again. I know, you know, them and, and They're we've actually, I'm sorry. Say that.
2: They're good friends of mine. I've actually written with Brent and, uh, Bill, both actually Bill writes for Billy blue publishing, which is a part of a record label that I run.
1: Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and here I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think he had a day job. He didn't look like somebody that worked to me. You know yeah, what I mean? Well, you, you probably didn't think he had any other friends either. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, when you said you knew him, I'm thinking so they owe you money too. Is that, is is that, that right? how <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, they, these are genuinely great guys. And <clears throat> oh, excuse me. And Larry has put together a great job of getting in some really deep Nashville talent. Uh, Bill is in the uh, Nashville Broadcasters Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, you are a Dove Award winner, if I'm not mistaken. We've got so much to talk about. And and I guess what is fascinating to me, and we touched on this on the other show we did that never made it to the can, uh, is that it's fascinating to me how much talent there is on the top at Nashville, but there's like, that's the tip of the iceberg. There's like 200 times that under that, you know, tell us how you got to Nashville. I, I want to hear that story.
2: Oh geez, well uh, it's a it's a long story. I'll make it as short as possible. Um, but my dad played banjo when I was growing up, so I was exposed to bluegrass and and country music and gospel music when I was just a young fellow. And you grew up and where? So, uh, I grew up in Chillicothe, Ohio. It's in the south su- southern part, right about about 45, 50 minutes south of Columbus, okay. in the south central part of, of Ohio. And my dad worked at a paper mill his whole life. Me, paper, was a huge, was the largest employer for counties around. And that's where my dad worked his whole life. He was an electrician there. But he was a great banjo player, never played professionally, but he um, instilled in me, you know, my love for music and my desire to, to be a musician. Um, but anyway, long story short, I ended up going to college. Uh, I knew I wanted to come to Nashville as soon as I graduated. So within two months of, well, within seven weeks, actually graduating from college, uh, I was living in Nashville and, uh, I auditioned. I had no job. I had no nothing really. I just was, had a dream and, um, came to Nashville and auditioned for a, a theme park that was called Opryland USA. And it was a huge theme park. It's where the Grand Ole Opry uh, the grounds were located, where, the, where the, they moved the Gr- Opry in 1975 out there, and they're um, 74. And so I, I ended up. Uh, I didn't get a job right away, but I got a job in the in the spring. That that was, I moved there in August. Uh, 40 years ago this month. 40 years ago this month. Wow. And I got a job. They said, well, we, we want you in the shows, but we can't start until, you know, until the next year. So it was in the spring of the next year that I that I started. Um, I was in a cast of characters that were incredible people. And almost every single one of them went on to make a living somehow in the music business. Um, I played Flatt & Scruggs with a guy named Steve Chapman, and we became really close buddies. We started what's, writing songs together. What's Steve's middle name? Well, he's now Stephen Curtis Chapman. I think I've heard (laughs) that name. I've I've heard that name before. I believe, yeah. Yeah. We we actually wrote a song called "Hiding Place" that got him his record deal, and after he became a star, we wrote several other songs. But one called "His Strength Is Perfect" uh, was one of the most. It's one of the most recorded songs I've ever been a part of. He he had a. That's what we won the Dove Award on. I've been nominated. I guess I've just got nominated for two more Doves this year, but um, forty years later. But uh uh it's so a slow fun. starter. Slow yeah. starter. <laughs> I know. but anyway, uh his strength is perfect was put in the Baptist hymnal in two thousand and
1: nine. Really?
2: Yes. They, make, they still make hymnals, really. They do,
1: they do. that <clears throat>
2: so many years, I guess, but we're working on the episcopals now and the and the Methodists <laughs> and all those guys.
1: So <laughs> You're worming but, uh, into the Episcopals. They'll never know what hit them. Right, never know right.
2: What. That's right. But man, so many other, people. Uh, Marty Rowe uh, was in our group. He's the lead singer for a group called Diamond Rio, who had been really successful. Uh, Skip Ewing, who had a record deal for a while, great songwriter, who he he was in our cast. Um, a girl named Shonda Pierce, who's gone on to be a huge Christian comedian. Um, yeah. Just on and on people that have been, it was in the shows with us out there. It was a great breeding ground for young talent to get a chance to, you know, that's how I met Minnie Pearl and and Roy Acuff. Roy had me on the Opry, and uh, Porter Wagner would have me on the Opry, and and but we all met because of that great relationship we all had with the Opryland Music Park. It was a great opportunity for me. I, I, uh, I got to
1: ask when, when you're standing on the stage of the Grand Old Opry, and I mean no respect disrespect by this at all, but we all find ourselves at some point looking around and going. Yeah. How did I get here? Now, yeah, exactly. How did this, which one of these is not like the other Roy Acuff, Minnie Pearl me. Hmm. That's right. That's right. I'll never forget.
2: Um, I, I was blessed to do the obby as a solo artist several times back then. Wow. I've been on it several times as, you know, playing and singing with other people since sure. then. But I remember back in the day, uh, the very first time ever, uh, my oldest daughter was born May the 11th, 1984. And the very night she was born, uh Porter Wagner called the hospital and invited me to be on the Grand Ole Opry the next Saturday night, a week later. Oh and I had been doing some TV shows with him. He had a show called Porter Wagner at Opryland that was mm-hmm. on the TNN network back in the day. Yep. Yep. And yep. so I'd become friends with Porter. He was very good to me. and uh, But that was the first time I will never forget. I sang a song. I saw, sang an old Ronnie Millsap song called Daydreams About Night Things and i love that song i
1: love that song i'm having daydreams about night things in the middle of the afternoon
2: that's it that's, that's a great it. song only song i had prepared the audience i was just one of those magical moments you know and so i didn't have another song so i came back they, they wanted an encore i came back we sang it again did the <laughs> same song twice <laughs> because I'd only rehearsed with the band once. so <laughs> And then uh, uh, one other time, there's so many great stories about being on there, but the one time that Roy Acuff had me on as his guest, he would stay out on stage and sit on a stool and just kind of sit behind you and watch you, which was kind of weird. But I remember
1: seeing that he was just kind of a stage lurker. And, yeah, and, yeah, and he wouldn't yeah. do anything, just sit no, there. And he watch.
2: stood there. He stood right there. I got a great picture of him standing right there looking at me. You know, it's just it's it's something I'll never forget. And when that he he asked me, I'll never forget I, that I only had one song prepared that day, too. And he said, Well, Jerry, he said, these people kind of like you. He said, uh, we're gonna find out how professional you are. And of course, I was like, Oh my gosh, because you never <laughs> knew. You know, he used to play with a yo-yo on stage. I thought, man, I hope you don't ask me to do that yo-yo. <laughs> So anyway, he said, we're going to find out how professional you are. He said, I know you only have one song prepared, but can you sing another song for these folks? And I, I swear, Dennis, I never missed a beat. I looked at him. I said, Mr. Acuff, I'll sing all night long if you'll let me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did the second song at the, at the end of that, he, I feel his, this arm around me and he starts stomping his foot and he starts singing. I saw the light. And in my mind, I thought, cause you're standing in a, but they, they cut out of the old Ryman Auditorium and moved to the new Opry. So i would already freaking out. You know, I had dry mouth from thinking about standing in that circle where Hank Williams had stood and all these people. Here, here he is. He's got his arm around me. He's stomping his foot, singing, I saw the light. And I'm singing with him. And I'm standing there thinking, I am standing in the middle of this circle, singing, I saw the light with Roy Acuff. I think I have died and went to Hillbilly Hill. Did you get that, chills? That's what I thought. I got, I I got chills me. from you telling the story, man. It's the truth. I I stood there. I thought I have gone
1: to hillbilly heaven. <laughs> I bet. I bet. I well. And and anyway, you 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 caught me flat footed here. Okay. I'm I'm stunned. I'm stunned. I had no idea. But the whole one song preparation. I'm seeing a trend here. So I, I mean, I'm seeing. It looks like. <laughs> you know, you may know the song by Paul pa- pa- Paul Simon. My wife and I love this song. It's called One Trick Pony. One well, yeah. is all that horse can do. He knows one trick only. It's his principal source of revenue. Anyway, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. I do. I do. I uh, do. Wow. Yeah. What? A, and how old were you when that happened? I'm just curious. I
2: was 24 when I was on with Porter, and I was 25 or 26 when I was on with Roy. Probably 25 with Roy. It was so funny. As we're walking off stage, the show's over, and A Cuff looks at me and he said, "Sally." He said, you could have a, a career in this here country music if you wanted one. And, of course, I said, well, thank you, sir. You know, that's all I said. But in my mind, I'm thinking, why don't you help me? Of course, I that's why I'm
1: here. Do you think I wandered off the street? Do you think I, I came here on purpose? I meant to do this. So he, he was a good man. He
2: signed a lot. I've got a lot of things in my home that's laying around that he's signed for me and hanging on the walls. He was a good man. He really was.
1: I'm, I'm I'm I don't know why I'm going blank on this, but I'm thinking of Ricky Skaggs and um, who was the guy that was his mentor? I'm, the Bluegrass. Well, mama. he
2: had the, uh Gosh, Ricky had. Oh, there's Ralph Stanley. He was yeah. His, his yeah. Man. yeah. He was in a. He was in a lot of different. Uh, Tony Rice, he was with for a while, but they were the same age. But uh, Ralph was one of his big uh, people. He looked up to a, uh, Monroe, of course. Bill Monroe was one that I think Monroe might have been the first one to ever have Ricky on stage when he was like six or seven years old.
1: I was thinking about Monroe, and I was wondering in my mind. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, the name of this show is Hot Springs Village Inside Out. Trust me, I am the outsider in every way about this, and I see when you talk about. Chatting with Stephen Curtis Chapman or working with him and doing flattened Scruggs knockoff or whatever and realizing those relationships that will last you the the entire length of your life. There will never be a time that you don't go. Man, you remember when I just got out of high school and I came down here and and started this. I mean, did did your dad go, hey, great idea. Go to Nashville. Nobody's ever thought of that before. Good idea. Sally, let's see how this works. You know,
2: I had incredible parents. Uh, My mom's still living. Dad's passed away. But, um, they never, they never once discouraged me from coming down here and trying this. Um, you know, I I have a lot of, I have a lot of friends and I see a lot of young people today. It kind of breaks my heart because I see a lot of very talented young people today who want to pursue music and, and, and believe it or not, there are parents who say to them, Oh, but what do you, you know, what do you, you got to be able to make a living, you know, that kind of thing. And my parents never did that to me. Um, you know, I have been in a lot of interviews for people where people say, what is it you do? And I'm, well, I'm a songwriter, you know, well, well, what do you do for a living? <laughs> well, I- <laughs> oh, no, really, really, no, really, really. What do <laughs> right, you do? Right, no, right. no, no. What's your, no, no, not your hobby. What
1: you make money at. Okay.
2: Right, right. But I will never forget. I'm going to try to do this without getting emotional, but I bought a little house in Madison, Tennessee. When I moved down here got the job at Aqualand and. And uh, I'd been at Opryland uh, two years, I think, before I got the opportunity to be on the Opry. And um, my mom and dad had come down for the Opry that night. You know, they came down from Ohio. And I'll never forget standing in my backyard. And uh, I looked at my dad and I said, Dad, I'm going to do this. I'm going to I am going to do this. I, ha- I just know this is what I'm supposed to do. And he looked it right at me and he, he said, Jerry, he said, I believe you, son, he said. I believe you, and he had never said that to me before. But that was the night before I was on the opera the first time.
1: And I I, I, I don't think people, Jerry. I don't think people have a clue the value of words. I really don't. I I don't think the impact on somebody's life. You you will the the day you're on your deathbed. You'll remember that event.
2: Oh, absolutely. Till till the day you die. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) but it and, uh, meant the world to me and and uh and and he I knew that but he just never verbalized it before you know I knew he believed in me but he also knew how tough this was and he knew how many people were down here trying to do it and you know and uh um I'm just very very fortunate really that I got to come when I did because it was a great there was a lot of opportunity back then for songwriters and singers and everybody else
1: well we had talked about this a little bit before but I mean, Things change. things change daily. I understand that. I mean, Opryland theme park no longer exists as it was. It's not there at all. and I, I think that's sad. I yes. think I think I hope that we move back to a sort of live entertainment. And, and don't get me wrong, you and I are making making use of the benefit of a technology that this is pretty remarkable if you think back on it, right? Sure. But the bottom line is there is nothing, nothing like people standing in front of each other. And singing a song and clapping mm-hmm. and going, Amen, or wow, or great, or being moved. We it there's no amount of electrons that can substitute for that ever. Yeah, that's ever. right. Not and, not. and for what goes through my mind, and we had joked about this before that, you know, I, I thought going to Nashville was you went, you obviously had to sleep in your car a mandatory two or three nights. Then you go to the Bluebird Cafe and and Taylor Swift and and uh, Garth Brooks are there and you <laughs> sing a song. And if you mess up, OK, it's all right. But, but there's not that many people lined up to sing at the Bluebird. Right. And you get your name on the list and they go, oh, Dennis, oh, my God, Jerry, come here, Dennis. Y'all are great. This is wonderful. Million dollar contract. Is yeah. that how it, it's not, not uh, how it goes? No, yeah, no. that's exactly how. It goes. No, yeah, no. <laughs>
2: no. <laughs> uh, I was very blessed at, uh, when, before I moved to Nashville. Um, that's kind of a long story, too. Everything's a long story. We got old, day
1: me. man. We got old. <laughs> when I
2: was in, when I was in high school, um, just about to start college, um, and I and I decided. I mean, I thought it was important to go to college because I knew that there was a lot of you know people when they go to Nashville you know, you're one of a million people, but you're, you're usually the star in your hometown, right? <laughs> That's why you got the guts to go, you know? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, um, I was, uh, doing, it was in Columbus, Ohio. They had a, it was like a Grand Ole Opry show. It was every Saturday night on WMNI country radio. And it was called the WMNI country cavalcade. And it was a live, uh, every Saturday night on the radio. And I was, a, I was a regular there throughout my college years. Um, And I had just started playing there uh, right before college.
1: Big, big, uh, big, big frog in a small pond.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And it gave me an opportunity to meet a lot of people. You know, I I opened up for a lot of really cool people um, and uh, met a lot of made a lot of contacts there. But uh, there was a young lady there that played up there a lot. And uh, she uh, had a regional record out. Her name was Holiday Parker. And she had a regional hit out. And I had written a song on the record. Uh, it was a it was a little 45. I had the B-side, if we remember what B-sides were. I remember what and, a 45 uh, was, too,
1: so in case of that. <laughs>
2: yeah. All right. So there was a guy there who was a guest that night on the show. He was from Nashville. He uh, he was trying to be a star, but I found out later he really was a booking agent and worked at Atlas Artist Bureau, which was a uh, booked Ernest Tubb and a bunch of people here in Nashville. Long story short – this company he worked for had publishing companies and he asked me that night he said he holiday was on the show that night he was on there I was on there and she was singing the song and he said and I said yeah that song that's, that she's going to sing next is mine he said well who published that and I and I didn't know what a publisher was honestly I didn't I didn't know that from Shinola and so he uh, he signed one of my songs and it was to there's three PROs, there's three performing rights organizations in America, ASCAP, BMI, BMI, CSAC. He said, We just started a CSAC company and want to sign you that. So next thing I know, you know, I didn't know any better. I just signed, signed with him, and I became a CSAC member, and which gave me the most incredible gift I could have ever had, because I met a lady here named Diane Petty who ran she was she was one of the large one of the well, she was the first female executive record executives in Nashville. She was uh, vice president of ABC records and had left there to run the CSAC division of Nashville. But when I moved to Nashville, fast forward all that passed through college and I stayed in touch with all them. She was like my mother. When I moved here, she, she introduced me to everybody. She was so kind and so good to me. And I am still a CSAC writer. I signed in 1978 and mm-hmm. I am still with them. And I have one of the, I'm one of the longest members they've ever had um, um, so it's been a, it's been an incredible ride. It really has been, but I knew Diane when I moved here, but she was the only one. Um, so it was just, it was just an incredible time to be here. People really genuinely helped each other. Um, the, the songwriting community was a, there were more of us that were just what we would, I would call pure songwriters, not mm-hmm. artist writers, but people that only wrote songs that were never going to be artists. And they were just Good to each other and helped each other. I had friends that I met after I'd been here a while who were pitching my songs that didn't have anything to do with the songs. You know, I'd say, "Why do you pitch that song? It's you're not a writer on it. You don't own the publishing on that." And they would say, "Well, because it needs to be heard. It's a good song. That's kind of songs we need cut around here." And so I miss those days. It's it's really a lot smaller community. I think I told you the other day when I moved here, there were over two thousand songwriters in Nashville that had publishing deals. So, we're so dedicated paid-
1: songwriters. That's all they do Monday through Friday. Yes, sir. Okay. And, yes. and how many now? Uh, there's less than 200 now,
2: less than 200 full-time pure <clears throat> songwriters. Now there's, when you add in the artist writers, see, when I moved to town, a lot of these folks did not write their own songs. There were, there were, there was Dolly wrote songs. Willie wrote a few songs. Um, There were a few people that wrote their own songs. Merle wrote a few songs, but he didn't write all his songs. Willie wrote most of his songs, but not all his songs. Um, So even Dolly, Dolly wrote most of her songs, but not all of her songs. So there weren't, today, if if, if you're an artist, they want you to write most of your songs with people like me or other pure songwriters in town. First thing they do when you get a record deal in Nashville these days is you become a songwriter, whether you've written a song before or not, because... There's actually it's a it's a we don't need to go into it, but I can explain later. Um, there's a way they save money by doing that. It's well, called be, control, It's called controlled composition.
1: Control composition. So let me get this straight. So the mama's and the Papas, California dreaming uh, <clears throat> Phillips, what's her name? Uh, John Phillips okay. is sitting writing the song on a bus trying coming back from California. And he wakes up his wife, who's a model at the time, the Mackenzie Phillips mom, and I can't think of her name right now. And she basically writes out everything he said. Yeah. So for the rest of eternity, she got half of the money of California Dreaming because she wrote down every word. <laughs> Is it a little bit something like that,
2: Jerry? Well, it depends on who you're writing with. <clears throat> I mean, I want to be fair. Um, some of these, some of these new artists are great writers. Some of them. They just sit there and dictate,
1: yeah. Or they, they or, got their or, name on or, the credits. They got yeah. their name on the credits.
2: Now, now, having said that, they might tell you that when they were in the room with me, I was really an idiot that day. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, it may just have been, you know, a timing thing because there are days that, you know, some days you got it and some days you don't. But uh, if you do it enough, you'll and 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 you know, you'll you'll get something every once in a while. But uh, yeah, it's it's different now. It's just different. It's just different. I can't explain it. You know, well, back in the day, people would cut the best song, no matter who wrote it. And it's not always like that.
1: So- well, you know, Bill and Brent were saying the other day that that uh, they had that same scenario that, you know, you have everybody in the room agrees this is the best song. And the artist goes, yeah, but I'm going to cut the one with my name on it right because i get yeah. the credits or i get the whatever well i tell you what let's do let's go back to and come back around to the the, the show coming up on the 30th here because people could listen to me and you reminisce for days i guess I, we could we could talk i could write a book
2: my man i mean, I, think I should write a book
1: i think you should write a book and i, I think me and you and mr acuff could kind of you know hash it out if you know what i mean i'll let you do this all night you know uh excuse me but no, what I want to say, what are we going to hear on on Thursday night? What are these songs? What what what? to the average layperson, they would go, hey, I recognize that song. Give right. me some ideas and give me some leads there. Yeah.
2: Well, um, between the, the three of us, we've had over 100 million uh, records sold on,
1: on songs that we've written. A hundred million.
2: And, yeah. And a lot of that, though, is due. I'm the baby of the group. Uh, and I have not had a song recorded by Garth Brooks, but Carl and Larry both have. So really? there's, yeah, so that that put a lot of news in it. I've had about 19 or 20 million of my own songs recorded over the years. Measly beginner. <laughs> Measly beginner. <laughs> but uh, for my side, and then I'll talk a little bit more about Carl and Larry too. Um, I've had songs recorded uh, by John Anderson and, and uh, Rick Tire. I had a song recorded by Elton John at one time. Um, Chris Stapleton, I have a song on his Traveler album. And uh, I've been very blessed to have a lot of country hits. Um, I've also had a lot of gospel hits Mm -hmm. and I've had a lot of bluegrass hits. So I've been very blessed in all three genres. Um, What are you nominated?
1: And I'm sorry, what are you nominated for the dubs this year? Well, the dubs
2: this year, I'm I'm not nominated as a songwriter this year, but uh, I produced an album uh, last year called Country Faith Bluegrass. And Country Faith is a series of positive country gospel albums that uh, are in the Cracker Barrel store. And so um, uh, I went. Yeah. So what I did, I went in uh, and they had they had always just leased tracks. In other words, when they put a country faith project together, they would just lease, you know, a Carrie Underwood song and, you know, Craig Morgan song and do it that way. Well, they came to us because I run Billy Blue Records, which is a bluegrass label. And they and they knew I produced records. And they said, man, would you guys be interested in doing a bluegrass uh, country faith bluegrass version. We've never done a bluegrass record, but uh, they've done blue, uh, country faith wedding songs, country faith gospel, you know, stuff like that. So they said, but we, what about if we go in and cut brand new songs? We've never done that before. So I went in and produced eight new recordings, never recorded before. And then I leased six other songs to, to get 14. I've got, I leased songs from uh, Vince Gill, Patty Lovis and Richard Re- Gags, Charlie Daniels. He did a, a bluegrass record actually about in 2012 that I pulled uh, Daniel prayed off of, uh, or not Daniel prayed. That was the Patty song. Um, Jer- uh, walking in Jerusalem, just like John was the oh, Charlie wow. song. Yeah. yeah. But I, I produced a song, <clears throat> one of the greatest honors of my career. I produced a song on the legendary Dolly Parton and, uh, it was in 2020. Uh, you know, we weren't, uh, we didn't really see each other a lot because of this, what was going on but she gave me this guitar it was just her and a guitar playing real slow of in the Sweet by and by and she said you can take my vocal and do whatever you want to with it i built a band and a whole different arrangement around her vocal and then i added myself Carl Jackson, Larry Cordell, and our dear friend uh, Bradley Walker singing bass, and we became like the Jordanaires for this record for her. So Mm -hmm. it's yeah, so it's in the sweet mind by Dolly Parton featuring Cordell Jackson, Sally, and and Walker, and so it is nominated uh, for a Dove for the country slash bluegrass song of the year and the Country Slash Bluegrass Album of the Year in the Doves. And it's also nominated two weeks before that at the IBMA, which is the International Bluegrass Music Association Awards in Raleigh, which is the last week of September. And it's nominated for Collaborative Recording Event of the Year and Gospel Bluegrass Recording of the year. So I don't know, you know, what kind of, uh, you know, there's so many great, we're up against great records. I mean, everyone in these categories are very deserving, but uh, you know, it was just, uh, it's just an honor to get to work with her. It's something I'll never forget. And I'll always be grateful for. And uh, so So, that's. uh,
1: So, so did you just lift her track off of her vocal vocal track off that?
2: Yeah. 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 We took, uh, uh, she, she, she actually had done two passes on that song Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, I kind of, combined, you know, a couple of different things. But for the most part, it was one 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 of those versions that I used. But uh again, it's amazing what you can do with uh but uh with technology. But mm-hmm. she, you know, I was really it was very um I was so excited and yet I was so nervous because you know, you don't want to screw this up, right? I mean, yeah. I was, when I finally got it, I mean, it took me forever to get it where I wanted her to listen to it. And when I did, I was just scared to death. And she sent me the most beautiful note, uh, just telling me how much she absolutely loved it and how grateful she was. And, you know, it's it's almost like, Dennis, the, the bigger the star, the nicer they are. Really? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's I've, 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 that's happened several times over my career.
1: Well, it sounds to me also, and I think part of the scenario is here is that, you know, you, you, you prepare, I mean, you didn't just send her your first rough, you obviously waited till you got it where you really, really, really wanted it. But you know, more than anybody, I, I guarantee you your first year at Opryland. You met a sound guy, then you said, "Man, I need you to be my buddy because
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm going to sing the I'm going to sing the bass on this part, and it's not my best in. So <laughs> make sure and boost me up, okay? Right? So you you know what a what a technologist can do between you and the final product. You, you're well too aware of that, right?
2: That's exactly right. That's
1: exactly well. You were right. telling us before on one of the other on one of the other shows we did. Uh, yeah. You were telling us about the um. Uh, the the way you guys sing uh, sing the trio with each other, and a lot of times when there's three or four different songwriters, or you know, one will play and the other will just kind of sit back and watch the other. What exactly. do you guys do?
2: Well, we're more like a band. Um, um, Carl is one of the greatest musicians that ever lived, and I'm not exaggerating. He can play anything with strings. And uh, he uh, he actually left, Carl Jackson left home at 14 years old to join Jim and Jesse, which was a, at that point in time, a huge bluegrass group mm-hmm. on the, you know, Randall Aubrey members having a lot of records on country and bluegrass radio. Mm-hmm. And so he left at a very young age to play banjo for them. And years later, he would get a job with, uh, and he'll talk about this a lot in the show, uh, he got a job with Glenn Campbell. And he played guitar. Well, a, he was a multi-instrumentalist in the shows with Glenn, but he played a lot of guitar with Glenn. And um, I think he's one of the greatest guitar players I've ever in my life. I wrote a song uh, in honor of him, actually, uh, that I recorded a few years ago called If I Could Play Guitar Like Carl Jackson.
1: Is that a little bit like the song uh, Stealing from Chet? We, we sat all well, day long. We, we were stealing yeah, yeah. from Chet.
2: Yeah. Well, I, unfortunately, I never stole anything from Carl. That's the problem. Um, I got lazy because I played with him all these years, and he was such a great lead player. So Carl will play all the leads on everything that we play and sing. When it's my turn to sing, I'll sing the lead, and, and Carl will do the, the tenor, and Larry will do the baritone. When it's Larry's turn to sing, Larry will sing the lead. I'll sing the baritone. Carl will sing the tenor. And when Carl sings lead, I do the tenor, and, and Larry does the baritone. So um the reason we kind of got the nickname the trio was was because of the harmonies we mm-hmm. we you know i'm not uh well, I'm just coming out the wrong way we have a unique blend and we sound we literally do sound like brothers to me mm-hmm. um and uh we have done this for a long time and we we can almost tell when the when each other is going to take a breath you know so um but we love each other that's the other thing we have been friends and doing you know you don't travel over 30 years with somebody on the road be together and still love hanging out with each other unless you know you really have a brotherhood there and uh but carl's written so many big songs he's a multi grammy award winner uh, he's produced a lot of produced an album called uh living loving and losing songs of the lubin brothers and uh and i was on that record but only because carl was the producer <laughs> i was the least known guy on it but uh it won the Grammy that year 2003 we won a Grammy for country album of the year Really, and so yeah, and Carl won another Grammy on that song, that album. There was a cut on there of Allison Krauss and James Taylor together singing, "How's the world treating you?" And oh, it was every oh. song.
1: Yeah. You talk about harmonies. That song, "How's the World Treating You?" Yeah. Oh my God, what I remember that. It, and you know, many times when you hear Allison Krauss, she has a voice that just literally slices,
2: Absolutely. like
1: a knife. And, and I want to come back to Carl just for a moment. I, and for those that you that don't know, I think that a lot of times, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Glenn Campbell is from Delight, Arkansas, not Delight, Delight, Arkansas. Delight is right. And a great guy and fantastic musician. If you haven't seen his show, I'll be me, the movie or the documentary, I'll be me about his struggle with Alzheimer's. It's amazing because he literally cannot remember the name of his daughter standing three feet from him, but he never misses a lick on the guitar and he never misses a lyric. Yeah, so yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's clear it's a different part of his brain that makes yeah. that click and work and it's, a, it's yeah. a vicious disease. But that said, what people don't know many times is that Glenn Campbell was part of what they called the Wrecking Crew?
2: That's exactly right.
1: And I'll let you tell why they called him well, the Wrecking Crew.
2: Well, I, you 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 go ahead. I but a lot of people do not know where he got his start and how what an incredible musician he was before yeah. folks really knew what the singer. You know.
1: Yeah, and, and, and you I, think of him as this, you know, uh, Southern Nights or or uh, uh, Wichita Lineman or or Galveston. Any of these great songs. These big sweeping in my mind and maybe i may be wrong these big sweeping musicals with i envision him in the rca studio in nashville and 33 pieces of violins playing the wichita lineman you know and and all this but all that said uh, he actually started as and forgive me if i'm wrong here but part of the wrecking crew were basically non-union guys who would come in and go hey we'll play that part we'll just play whatever part and they were some of the best musicians in nashville by far and away yeah. So when you come in and play guitar, banjo, strings, anything for Glenn Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be the man, Carl. You yeah. got to be the man. So t- yeah. tell your story. Yeah, I, I, I don't it. know where to, to spin from there. That's just what I know.
2: Yeah. Well, there's a great story. Uh, Carl, I hope he tells the story while we're there of how he met Glenn and how he got the job because uh, he he actually auditioned for him at the Ohio state fair, he just went to see the show. He didn't have, he had no idea. Um, and Glenn asking, and Glenn said, well, what, how much do you want? And Carl said, million dollars. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I don't know if Glenn actually gave that to him at the time.
1: His negotiating uh, skills are not what he's known for is what I'm hearing.
2: (laughs) But, uh, Carl is one of the, uh, I have gotten so many opportunities in this town because of Carl Jackson. Really? He he literally, he was one of the first people I met when I moved to Nashville, but one of the first publishers I had introduced us and uh, we wrote songs together. uh, Gosh, we started writing songs together in the early eighties. And I actually met Larry and our other friends uh, through Carl um, Carl was writing for Ricky Skaggs Publishing Company at the time, which was part of a company called Welk Music. Um, uh, Ricky had a co venture deal with them, and uh, we just we literally just become great friends. I mean, we he, he 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 lucky for me, he he thought I had a little bit of talent, and uh, he he really. Has been helpful. He's recorded a lot of my songs as him producing. He every time he produces a project, I do the same thing with him in all my records. I, I don't. I've never done a record. I don't think that Carl Larry didn't sing on at least you know two or three songs. And so, um so. But that's enough about Carl. Let's talk about Larry. Um kidding. <laughs> no, <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Carl, yeah, I'm like talk- Carl. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I do want to talk about Cord because uh, that's his nickname. Cord. C O R D. Um, Cord is one of the greatest characters in the history of songwriting, in in my opinion. Um, He came to town having written by himself a little song called Highway 40 Blues
1: recorded by mr ricky skaggs probably one of ricky's top five or top three got the highway 40 blues yeah it's one of the most recognizable yeah and probably one of the
2: most recognizable records in country music history because when it starts off with that kickoff everybody Mm -hmm. knows exactly what it is you know
1: and then there's a little uh, breakdown halfway through it and
2: yeah right right but ricky and and larry grew up in lawrence county kentucky uh, on the same area i mean they literally knew each other as kids and they grew up playing and singing. And, of course, uh, um has got so many great stories about them in their younger days. But uh, Ricky told him, you know, one time he said, if I ever, you know, because Ricky grew up playing bluegrass and was Stan- Ralph Stanley. Then he was with Tony Rice for a while and um, just a lot of different configurations. With different Couldn't keep groups. a job.
1: Couldn't keep <laughs> a job is what I'm hearing.
2: <laughs> That's exactly right. That's right. But when he got to he said, I'm gonna to go to Nashville and try this country thing. And he told Cord back then, he said, If I if I ever get a chance, I want to record some of your songs. And sure enough, he recorded Highway 40 Blues. And uh if that if you know that song at all, you'll know that it has no chorus. It's three verses. It does, and it? yeah. It's a great example of someone who wrote an incredible song who broke a lot of the rules that they'll tell you that you gotta follow in Nashville, you know. Mm-hmm. And so there's a great example of, of just God coming down and striking somebody with some great – I mean, he wasn't even thinking I-40, Interstate 40. He, there was a there was a Highway 40 in eastern Kentucky that he used to drive a lot back and forth from work, and that's where he got the idea. Isn't that funny?
1: That is classic. So,
2: and he's gone on to write one of my favorite chord songs is a song called uh, Mama Don't Forget to Pray For Me that was a big hit for Diamond Rio. Um, that's one of my very favorites he's ever written. Uh, of course, Cords had a lot of bluegrass hits. Uh, he does. He records a lot of bluegrass records. Me and Cord do a lot of bluegrass solo records. And uh, Carl's first Grammy, going back to Carl for just a minute, his first Grammy was uh, in the early nineteen. It was no, it was late nineteen eighties. Um, he did a, a bluegrass record. Oh, I'm going to blank on the title of it. It's uh, it's got him play, uh, in a Yankees uh, uniform on the front,
1: like a but, baseball thing they, or something.
2: Yeah, baseball. The baseball themed. I know the title of that, and I can't think of it. Isn't that terrible? Anyway, he won his first Grammy with for for bluegrass album of the year, and uh, uh, and just has. He's just an incredible teacher, an incredible friend, and well, both those boys are. I I'd, I'd do anything for either one of them. They'd do anything for me. I think we just uh, we're just like the three amigos.
1: <laughs> well, and and you know, I don't think I don't think a lot of people understand, and not like I have any particular insight into it, but you know, thirty years on the road together and you still talk and you still want to be together and you're still friends and you still there there's more than just a passing acquaintance (laughs) here. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we, uh, we love each other, man. We're we're brothers. It sounds uh,
1: like it. I can tell. Give us, give us the top five songs we would recognize from the concert. Obviously highway 40 blues,
2: highway 40 blues. Um, gosh, um, um, I don't know exactly what all they'll do that night, but uh, Carl's got Carl's first top 10 song was a called a song called letter to home that Glenn Campbell had a top 10 record on Mm -hmm. folks might remember that one. He also had a big hit with Pam Tillis called put yourself in my place. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Carl or uh, Carl and I had a hit song called breaking new ground. That was not only a bluegrass hit for seldom seen in the late eighties, but was a top 10 country hit for, for a country group called wild Rose, which was an all girl group that was together for a while. Um, I'll probably do I Fell in the Water that I wrote for John Anderson was a top 10 record for him and a song called I'm Going to Take That Mountain that was a top 10 for Reba. Oh, wow. Um, um, And I'll do some gospel stuff. uh, So that's been number one, you know, that sort of thing. Um, Cord will probably do Murder on Music Row. That was one of uh, his big. Oh, really? It wasn't a huge hit, but it was. It was nominated and won a CMA Country Song of the Year one year. It was recorded by. Uh, well, he recorded it on a bluegrass record, but then George Strait and Alan Jackson recorded it as a duet. And the song only got up to like thirty-eight or thirty-seven on Billboard because radio was kind of against it. Because you know the music was starting to turn about yeah. that time yeah, from really yeah. traditional to more progressive. But uh, but luckily the members of the Country Music association recognized the value of the song and and made it uh, song of the year so that was that's that's one that uh, i'm sure we'll do i hope we do and uh, but hopefully they'll they'll recognize a lot of a lot of these songs and uh and uh we're just going to we're really looking forward to it we you know like i said i'm the baby of the group we don't really travel as much as we used to and uh, so every show is special to us you know uh, I played with Carl this past weekend at the Gatlinburg Songwriters Festival and Larry was not able to meet us. his wife has been ill and uh, he's been you know staying home a lot taking care of her this summer but uh, I'm, we're really excited to have Cord back with us at the show in Hot Springs we're well really
1: we're, we're eager to have you and I happen to know also that you ran into Bill at Gatlinburg because that was where I did. <laughs> the writers <laughs> we actually saw uh, Dennis Lee in Gatlinburg. And actually, I actually sang with him on stage. Oh, Oh, gee, what's it been five or six years ago? I I say all that to say, you'd be surprised what a a hub, a sub hub, I would say, Gatlinburg is. There's a lot of talent in that little town. I mean, a lot of talent.
2: There is. There's a lot of talent there, Uh, writing-wise, singing-wise, playing-wise, a lot of bluegrass. There's a lot of artists living in that part of the country.
1: Well, I was telling you in another show, that's where we met the guy who was the the uh, uh the fiddlist for uh ronda Vincent. i'm trying to remember his name right now because hunter berry no 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 it was it was two short words and i'm trying to remember oh i'm blank on it right now i, I bought an album from him, actually chatted with him on facebook a little and i I, re- I mentioned that because they were doing uh they did the bluegrass version of crossroads i went down to the crossroads yeah. and they're doing this and, and the bass takes a, a, a riff the the uh the banjo takes a riff, the violin, the whole thing. And I'm like, this is I'm recording this going, oh, my God, what a great little, you know, concert at the Smoky Mountain, you know, uh, uh, whiskey b- b- moonshine place. Anyway, anyway, I digress. I got to ask you the mandatory question. We come back and be with us again, Sally.
2: Absolutely, man. I've enjoyed this, Dennis, so much. And I, you know, the, 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 you know, God works in mysterious ways. And I think we're a couple of those.
1: And uh, (laughs) more mysterious uh, than some, I think,
2: actually. But uh, the fact that we had tried this two other times before today, uh, uh, one weather related and one technically, you know, like you said, we just had some issues getting back together. But uh i feel like i've just got to know you man and i've really enjoyed it i cannot tell you how much i appreciate your time in uh getting the word out and helping spread the, our music and, and uh, uh, the word about this show you know we're really hoping for a good crowd
1: i think we're going to have a great one actually we're going to have this show come out tuesday which will be the 28th uh and then you can still get your tickets and by the way you, you can get your tickets at hsvticketsales.org dot uh, com hsvticketsales.com and we are happy 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 to see you i plan on meeting you person. how about that jerry
2: i hope so man i hope we get to shake your hand and hug your neck
1: (laughs) i promise (laughs) good to see you buddy talk to you soon
0: thanks for listening to another episode of hot springs village inside out a podcast where hot springs village arkansas is the star please subscribe to the podcast you can do that by visiting our website hsvinsideout.com and tell a friend